0: This is a podcast from Minute Media. Far back to pass, pumps to the left, 8 seconds left. He gets away from the pressure, fires to the end zone. It's caught! It's Greg Lewis! Touchdown!
1: Welcome to the Viking Age podcast, the official podcast of thevikingage.com. We do this every Monday and Thursday night at 6.15 p.m. Central Time right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. If you miss it, we got you covered the next day on Apple Music and Spotify but however you're listening, make sure you're liking, subscribing, giving us a good review because we never want you to miss a new episode. My name is Chris Shed. I'm a contributor for The Viking Age and a slew of other websites. I am joined by my co-host, the managing editor of TheVikingAge.com, Adam Patrick. And today we are having our second Rewatchables episode where we hop in the DeLorean and we watch an entertaining moment in Vikings history. Most of them have been good actually this is our second so they've both been good but some of them maybe we'll try and you know rip open the the wounds you know yeah, rip off like the band-aid the or whatever you want to call it yeah <laughs> um, in our first episode we talked about the minneapolis miracle which was of course case keenum to stefan diggs today we're going to go look at another famous pass in vikings history with brett Favre's 2009 bomb to greg lewis so before we get started I feel like this game needs a lot of backstory because this 2009 season was so freaking interesting in that it was two years in the making. Brett Favre obviously forced his way out of the Packers. They trade him to the Jets. He looks terrible over there because he tore his bicep. Then he's like, "I'm gonna retire." Gets out of his contract. He goes, "LOL, I'm I want to go to Minnesota." They pick him up. Everything. So. I mean, what do you remember about the 2009 season? Were you excited to get far? Were you kind of tentative? Like, what were you, what was your thought on it?
0: Oh, I was excited for sure. Um, because he was only, what, two years removed from, from helping the Packers get to the NFC championship. Um, and yeah, maybe his, his play was declining with age, but I feel like we all knew he was going to be, extra motivated if he was going to be with the vikings and you get to go against the packers and go back to lambo and kind of have a chip on his shoulder where, where he was with the jets he probably had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder but you know they he's just kind of kind of there um where i feel like with the vikings he just had like this extra motivation he was also around some guys that he knew like Daryl bevel and uh ryan longwell and a couple other guys that he's you know been friends with over the years. So he was more familiar with the Vikings. Obviously he played against them in the NFC North and Central. Um so I was super pumped to so get yeah, Brett Favre. I mean <laughs> I was super pumped when the Vikings got down McNabb. So yeah. uh to say that I was excited about them getting Favre was yeah. And then you know the way the season started, uh them getting off I think they started six and oh or five and oh um it was just a fun year. And it ended in typical Brett Favre fashion. So and, and Vikings fashion, I guess. So um yeah, I was I was definitely excited to see Brett Favre put on the purple and gold.
1: That was a fun summer. I mean, the whole season in general was just a blast. Uh personally, I had just moved in with some new roommates in college for my uh I believe that would have been my super senior year of college. <laughs> um so I mean, all these guys, it was quite the collection when it came to football because we had Vikings fans, Bears fans, and Packers fans in the same house. And mm-hmm. like the whole time, no you know, one of my friends, no Lions fans. <laughs> shockingly. I don't know. They're kind of harder to find. I remember mm-hmm. uh, working at a newspaper down here and one of the uh, Detroit Lions reporters, Dina Trotman, who's now. Uh, at one of the big stations in Detroit. I can't remember the exact call letters right now, but uh, she's a big deal over there, covers the Lions. But uh, she was a Lions fan, and, like, I was just amazed. I'm like, I know somebody who's a Lions fan now. My my football life is almost complete if the Vikings (laughs) would just win a Super Bowl. But uh, that summer, one of my friends, uh, Jerry, was a big, you know, Brett Favre fan because he grew up in Thorpe, Wisconsin, was a Packers fan, and then I think his like in law or something like was like, no, the Vikings are cool. You got to cheer for these guys. It's way more fun. And he's like, okay, so now he's like one of God's most pathetic creatures. And he's like, I'm like, I don't know about Favre. He didn't look too good with the Jets. You know, everything was going off. And then Jerry's just like, dude, trust me, you want him on your team. Like mm-hmm. it, it's Brett Favre. So one morning I wake up, three hundred pound Chris. And I'm in the bathroom and I check my flip phone and it's just like six texts from Jerry. Just like, oh my God, Brett Favre's coming. He's in a helicopter. Like, you got to get up here. Wake up, wake (laughs) up, wake up. up." And it was like 11 in the morning. I'm like, Jerry, I'm trying to sleep in. And I go upstairs and like, sure sure enough, there it is. Like Brett Favre on the interstate, Mm -hmm. you know, cruising with a helicopter and everything. And like from that point on, you know, when I was watching this game, I was thinking to myself, there are so many games that we could have chose for this and maybe there's another game that we will choose. I mean yeah. the next week Brett plays the Packers in the Metrodome. Yeah. Later in the yeah. season he goes to Lambeau, as you mentioned. Uh the Ravens game where Justin Tucker misses a field goal at the end of regulation yeah. to win that game. Um you know kicking the crap out of Dallas, uh mm-hmm. losing in Chicago in overtime. That mm-hmm. was a banger of a game. Uh the NFC Championship game if we remove our you know, emotional attachment to it. Mm -hmm. Very good game from a pure football standpoint. The whole year was just so much fun. And it was a blast just to like, I I remember watching this game there was a clip where there was a Viking fan in a Favre jersey, a Vikings Favre jersey, and then a Packer fan and a Packer Favre jersey. And they're getting along. Like they're they're just having the time of their life. It (laughs) it was just so surreal and Mm -hmm. so weird. And I, I, honestly with all due respect to 2017 which is a blast i think 20, 2009 was the most fun i've ever had during a viking season 98 yeah. you could make a case for but yeah. i mean yeah
0: we were younger so maybe yes if we were older it might have been more fun but yeah 2009 was was super fun like you mentioned it was just like as soon as he he got there i think he had like it looked like he came straight from the farm he had like his like dirty shirt on like Dirty hat on at the in the press conference, like yeah, I'm here. Um, he somehow
1: had a dirty Vikings hat despite <laughs> never putting it on. That was that was impressive. Like they just yeah. rolled it through yeah. a mud field or something before he got. Can you
0: can you can you drag this outside a little bit? You know, I, I need it. I gotta bring this hat yeah, outside. Can, this ain't gonna work break, real well in a press conference. Come on now. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, as you know, as Vikings fans, we've seen him so many times go in the Minnesota or in Lambeau, just, you know, break Vikings hearts. Um, you know, you go back to the Monday night Antonio Freeman game. Uh, or that one, he was, he was involved in the Randy Moss debut game. He was involved in the uh, shoot the moon uh, playoff game. Like, he's a part of a lot of Vikings moments as much as the Vikings are. Um, so it was just cool to see him. And then just which is always the case. We're getting this with Z- Zedaria Smith now, but it's always, it makes it that much sweeter to get a player that was good or is still good who used to play for the Packers. Cause even though they'll be like, Oh, he's, they'll try and play it off and be like, Oh, he's past his prime. Oh, have fun with him. He's not going to do anything that, you know, that deep inside, deep inside they're they're hurting a little bit and they're jealous. They're jealous that, that this player picked the Vikings over the Packers and, you know, that's that just makes everything so much sweeter.
1: He could, uh you know, all they had to do is rework their contract. Little cap fit gymnastics. You're already paying Aaron Rodgers with a little cap gymnastics.
0: Well, why and not? We mentioned the jet season. Didn't I feel like he got hurt? Like he was off to a good start with the Jets. I feel yeah, like he hurt was. his bicep. Yeah. And he yeah, got he hurt. So that's, it. that's why he kind of had a bad second half. But, you know, if not, if he didn't hurt himself, he might have had a 2009 season with the Jets. So Mm -hmm. we don't know. And then, you know, 2010 is uh, just uh, we don't need to talk about
1: that. Well, let's talk about this game instead, because it it was quite the interesting game to look at and just see the players that were involved Yeah. Uh, right off the bat. First play of the game, Jared Allen gets a strip sack and sacks starting cornerback Sean Hill, who (laughs) beat out Alex Smith in a (laughs) training camp competition. By the way, their coach is... Uh, Mike Singletary mm-hmm. who's on the sideline looking like he wants to rip somebody's head off. I honestly got like last year's Vikings vibe watching the 49ers in this game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Cause it, cause it looked like nobody was having fun. The head coach, like Delaney Walker tripped on a play and like he was all in oh, his face. Chewing him out. Yeah. Yeah. Just destroying him. But I mean, it, it was just weird to watch, but when it comes to Jared Allen, you know, first of all, Darren Allen, in my mind, should be a Hall of Famer. I think yeah. he's like fourth or fifth all time in sacks, but yeah. like everybody ahead of him like in the Hall of Fame already or going to be in the Hall of Fame. He'll, he'll get it. And yeah, he's been a finalist,
0: and, I think, the last two years. Mm-hmm.
1: And Ben Lieber called him their version of John Randall just because of his ability to trash talk and his ability on the field. Uh, he wound up with 14 and a half sacks that season. Do you know who was first? got to be Ray Edwards, right? It was not uh, in the league, I'm sorry. I forgot. To oh, mention. in the Oh, okay. In the NFL, uh, sorry.
0: In the league.
1: Ray Edwards well, did not what is it, go. What up year,
0: 2009. 2009. it? What year 2009? Was it 2009? Jason Taylor? It is not Jason Taylor. Okay. Who was it? This is this is quite the poll. Was it like Elvis oh, Drewbill?
1: There you go, you got it. Yeah. Baltimore's Elvis Dumervil, who I believe <laughs> tried to sign somewhere else, and then the like his machine? contract got yeah, got mm-hmm. caught in a fax mm-hmm. machine or something, and it didn't go through. <laughs> Used mm-hmm. to order Chipotle burritos on a fax machine, and then wow, like, wow, yeah, yeah, we did it as like the radio station, then the newspaper did, and they got. Chipotle got really mad because they're like, hey, we'll give you it for free if you fax it. And like us college kids are like, hell yeah. Every so, time. of course, we're going to tell every <laughs> every college kid, hey, we just got free Chipotle. All you have to do is fax it. And then they got mad at us. So. Fax. <laughs> That's how old we
0: are. Wow.
1: Um, but here's the other thing. So, like, everybody talks about the 9 offense because you had Brett Favre. You had Percy <laughs> Harvin. You had Adrian Peterson. Um, you had an offensive line that we'll talk about in a little bit here. But the defense was just as good. They were 10th in points allowed, 6th in yards allowed. Do you think people forget how good this defense was?
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, I think uh, there's a lot of playmakers, a lot of future Ring of Honor guys, future Hall of Famers on there. You could even make the case that Kevin Williams should be a Hall of Famer because I I believe he was a 6 or 7-time All-Pro, which not a lot of Hall of Famers can even say. Then you have Antoine Winfield you know, who is just probably one of the most underrated players in NFL history. Uh, You got, you mentioned Jared Allen and you got Chad Greenway in there. Who's definitely going to be like ring of honor guy or whatever. Um, And there's just playmakers all over the field. Um, And you even had on special teams, you had like Heath farewell um, and, and guys like that. But yeah, the defense, the defense was good. You could tell So there was, some moments it it did resemble like the vikings defense kind of 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 2017 because especially specifically in this game they were very good on third down i think the 49ers didn't even get a third down conversion um and then you know the vikings would give up like the big chunk plays on like second down or fourth down or whatever i'm like oh that looks familiar um so yeah there's there's that but they were good yeah and what leslie Frazier was the the defensive coordinator for them so you know he was just uh getting ready to be a head coach soon so but they were good waiting in the wings behind yeah. Brad Childress <laughs> it, it, it was quite impressive I mean wasn't single did he, he put Singletary on his staff did he put him on there after he, got he was there
1: maybe after Sam Fran I think Frazier did I think, did
0: so. I think so. they were
1: teammates in 1985 they, the they
0: were drafted the same year for the Bears too. yeah so there's yeah there's your linebackers coach or like a senior defensive assistant or something like that he just he wasn't a very good coach i I
1: remember yeah and i remember looking at it going into the year just going like oh yeah they got singletary they got i mean they signed a lot of veterans too like nate clemens was on the team um you know i i josh morgan was the name i remember frank gore was at his peak like the week before he had like 260 total yards uh, between rushing and receiving. Yeah, Isaac Bruce. Trey Bly. Right? The names were pretty big on there. They just yeah. weren't a very good football team because mm-hmm. they weren't coached real well. And, you know, talking about that secondary, they were the ones who gave up first blood in this game because Brett Favre threw a beautiful touchdown pass yeah. uh, through the middle of the field to Sidney Rice. That put Minnesota on the board early. Sidney Rice, we want to talk about name polls. We were talking about players that didn't live up to their potential. I remember going to training camp when Sidney Rice was drafted. And, you know, in Mankato, you were a little bit closer to the field. So Mm. you had all these players, you know, lining up to catch balls from the jug machine. And it just sounded like, you know, you just heard it right off their hands. And Sidney Rice came up, put his hands up, and it just, just right there. Just very quiet, soft hands, everything else. And I'm like, this guy might be really good. And sure enough, the first two years, has Tavares Jackson as his quarterback. I think Gus Ferrat was mixed in there a little bit. Then he gets mm-hmm. Brett Favre and he explodes. And mm-hmm. I, I was listening to something today, a purple rewind on score North where Tom yeah. Pellicero was talking about how Sidney Rice was one of the key reasons why Favre was eventually persuaded to come back, even though he didn't want to. And when Rice held out and had the hip injury, you know, he's tried throwing that back shoulder fade and it just did not work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He was he was fun to watch two thousand nine that, that, that year. That was his uh talk about guys like even you look at someone like Josh Gordon who had that one crazy year uh where he just like went off. That that's kinda similar to how Sidney Rice was. Sidney Rice used that year though in 09 to to get paid by the Seahawks and I don't think he ever had a year like he had with 09. Poor guy. He went to Seattle and Tavares Jackson was his quarterback again. Um so couldn't really escape him um but yeah that was it was fun because it had like a moss ass like feeling to it uh seeing him go down the field and kind of like just far chuck it in the air and and rice just go up and and jump over guys and, and grab the ball um it was fun to watch and i think over time he's probably gonna be someone that's probably more forgotten but he's he's definitely a very important part of of uh This season for for the Vikings, for sure, because without him, I I don't know if they get to the NFC Championship.
1: No, I I don't think so either. I mean, you had Percy Harvin, everybody talks about him. But I mean, Rice was the number one receiver on that team and, and probably their biggest threat. And it's a big reason why Brett Favre turned it on. After the first couple of games, because coming yep. into that game he only had 238 yards passing. This was Week Three. He only had 85 yards in a win against Cleveland in Week One. Yep. And they asked him before the game in the production meeting, like, "Well, what do you think about the game manager label?" And Brett said, oh, "That really hit. chaps. That really chaps my ass." So throughout the game, he he didn't look right. Like it was not Brett Favre. It, it looked more like Jets Favre, really. And they mentioned the timing. They said, "Oh well, you know, Barnard Barian, he missed camp with a hamstring." They didn't take him. oh they account. had Bernard no connection in this game. Yeah, they they didn't take into account that Barian was bad. That he yeah. dropped a he, pass <laughs> yeah. on the final drive. <laughs> yeah. That you know they chained him to a locker and made him watch videos of Brad Childress's kick-ass offense. Until he was he, signed.
0: he was dropping passes left and right in this game. He had one. He had one. I think it was on like the might have been the final drive or the the drive before that where he had one catch. I think it was the final drive. Uh, before the first half, actually, I think the final drive before the first half when they were lined up to kick a field goal it didn't turn into a field goal. Um, yeah, Barry and caught a pass and he gained like, I don't know, like 30 or 35 yards. And that was like the best play of his game. But he had like, I think he had like two or three drops in the game. And they kept mm-hmm. talking about how the connection wasn't that good. And I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. So, and yeah. I
1: think Tim Ryan was the color guy and he said, there is yeah. nothing wrong with Brett Favre's arm. <laughs> What do you throw? Like, just, he just threw, hinted like, at it. Yeah.
0: I think I threw, he threw like 48 times in this game, 45, 48 around there. Yeah. Um, he, threw, he, he threw let it, a He lot. let
1: it rip, especially towards the end of the game. And the yeah. Vikings yeah. needed it. When's the last time we saw that? Yeah. Uh, I think Mike Zimmer might have had a stroke on the sideline. <laughs> You're like Kirk. We're down by 17. We got to run Dalvin more. Uh, Cody, yeah. That's not going to work. Um, But anyway. You look at that, the offensive line, also a rough day. Uh, it wasn't as bad as the current offensive line, but there were some flaws. Uh, Bryant McKinney had 33 pressures to lead the team, and he was the less left tackle, so that's not really ideal. Uh, During the
0: whole season, though, right? Yeah, Not this game.
1: Not this game. That'd be incredible. <laughs> I think he would have been benched at by at some point. We probably, um, yeah. I, I always remember Bryant McKinney as the guy who literally ripped a stripper pole out of the crowd to beat a bouncer with it in a Miami nightclub. Um, which is funny because it leads me to one of my other training camp stories where I was there in the crowd. And I think Jared Allen was just destroying Bryant McKinney in a practice. And this guy was just heckling McKinney and he's just screaming. And he's like, why don't you beat him with the pole, McKinney, you fat sack of crap. <laughs> Come on McKinney just riding him the entire pra- practice he's like you need a pull so training camps really good people watching territory oh, yeah. yeah I mean people talk about wrestling events you know you can you can see some good good people at training camp
0: Brian McKinney now uh future not future current contestant on America's Got Talent part of I the I saw uh, that Players Choir I had no idea that he sung very smooth got to be the baritone guy in the back there yeah,
1: i don't think he's the alto i i don't know how it works <laughs> soprano alto yeah like, i took classroom music he's, a, like, he's deep, the he's the deep teacher just a, let us wrestle all the time and watch wrestling so uh,
0: obviously he's the deep uh the deep deepest voice guy in there he had some bass to the their 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 choir group but yeah that's he's there and he's got i think he's yeah he's got a podcast too where he talks about mm. the Vikings sometimes
1: when i think about brian mckinney i definitely think of bass like that, you know, if I were to use a musical term, uh, Bill Lodeholt was second with 27 pressures on the season. And this offensive line had a guard. They had Steve Hutchinson, who only one. allowed 12 pressures on the season. One,
0: yard. one guard.
1: One yard. <laughs> they had Anthony Herrera. And I think mm. uh, Artis Hicks
0: was the other one. But maybe yeah. I know Herrera was uh, watching this game. I'm like, oh, they have problems at right guard. It's a uh, very surprising <laughs> to hear that. The Vikings?
1: No. Yeah. Well, well, Hutch only allowed 12 pressures on the season, Mm -hmm. but he allowed four in this game. And it was a problem because Brett started getting pounded in the turf. It was was. a precursor of what wound up sinking the Vikings season in New Orleans, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, So as for the game, the Vikings went up 10 to nothing before Vernon Davis made it a 10 to 7 game. Ryan Longwell hit a 52-yarder and then lined up for another field goal at the end of the half. But it was blocked and returned by Nate Clemens to give the 49ers a net 14 to 13 lead at halftime. So I will ask you this question right now Was this your turning point of the game or did you have a different one?
0: Mm, I had a different one um, at first, because like you said, I think we both said to each other, like we've never watched, we were both at like similar points in our life. I think I just graduated college. You said you were still in college and we've both never watched like this whole entire game. So I'm sitting there watching this kind of like it's it's live for like first time and i'm like yeah oh long well it's gonna hit this field goal and then they block it and i'm like oh no <laughs> <laughs> like i'm watching it real time and i'm like wait a minute um so yeah at first i'm like oh no <laughs> Like, um and they blocked it and uh, yeah that's a that's a big momentum shifter i think it could have been but something else happened later in the game that kind of helped the Vikings get back their momentum but um the 49ers definitely kind of I feel like at first they were kind of just all over the place. I think Frank Gore got hurt on the first play and that kind of threw them off like maybe their game plan to try and figure out what to do but they kind of got settled, started, you know, targeting Vernon Davis more who who was a beast in this game. Um, and then they started to get things rolling, made some plays on defense. Um, and yeah, this 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 is this play. This blocked field goal is is a a play that you can't give to a team like this. If you're the Vikings, you're up. What you you're up ten nothing. You go up to what thirteen? Was it 13-7? Okay, you've got you've got pretty good control. You know you're losing a little bit of momentum. The Niners the Niners weren't doing anything on offense. I think they had no yards on their first four or five drives. Um, but this play, like. you you hear that? It gives them life, it gives them hope. They go into halftime, they're pumped. They're like, "All right, we can do this." Because I think they were undefeated going in this game too. They were, they were two and zero, so they were feeling good about themselves. Um, and then, you know, the Vikings were able to regroup and uh, get themselves back together. But yeah, I think if something else didn't happen, which I'll t- we'll talk about when you go over it, but uh, this, this, this is a second contender for turning point i think it, it definitely uh raised my eyebrows
1: yeah i this was mine just because yep. it changed the tone of the game yep. like when i was 13 nothing i was thinking i'm like wow the vikings must have really did something stupid and then right before a half it's like oh there it is <laughs> like you, you knew like the vikings don't make things easy so when they're up you know 10 to nothing vernon davis gets the touchdown it's 13 7 before the half It's just like something's going to happen where it's just like, oh, no. And that was the field goal. Because at that point, you could kind of feel the momentum shift. Because the 49ers looked like they were going to get run out of the Metrodome Mm -hmm. in the first, like, 30 minutes of this game for the most part. And then it changes. The 49ers have the lead. And they go into the second half. And it's 17 to 13. And then to quote your play, person went 101 yards Mm -hmm. to the left the right and gone mm-hmm. with a mick gold light in the shot <laughs> which uh i thought was that it was it was like true nosebleed angle you know <laughs> you got beer in your way and everything else I, I, oh yeah I, and I the replay the <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the replay like he's just running and all of a sudden there's a plastic bottle of mick gold light <laughs> in the front and i'm like if i were at the game i'd, I'd put good money on that being mine because i the, the good old nosebleed seats at the dome man
0: um yeah, that that's definitely my turning point because I think the Vikings were a little like, oh man, like this, we're getting beat now. Like, you know, they were kind of struggling on offense too. Like, at that point, I think they came out, might have been the fir- their first drive of the second half, and it might have been, I think they might have gone three and out. Um, and then, so they give the ball back to the Niners, and I think the Niners kicked a field goal. And then, um, so then, uh, what, Percy Harvin gets the kickoff, and that place erupted metrodome that that felt like a wrestling pop as soon as he broke through uh the first few guys like as soon as he was in the middle of the field he was gone and everyone was freaking out um it reminded me of like how loud the metrodome can get because it was just all like can you imagine like i know um U.S. bank stadium gets loud but can you imagine if the minneapolis miracle happened in the metrodome like how much louder it would have been
1: it, it, it would have been pretty damn loud. I mean, yeah. I, the Metrodome was so awesome because it was just, it was a dump. And when when you went in there, it, like, <laughs> I think dump. that it's an endearing term. Yeah. Like, oh, like yeah. it was a dump. And I think it was better for football than it was for baseball. Even oh, though, definitely. you know, the Twins won yeah. World, two World Series in that yeah. building. But, I mean, football, that's what it was mainly built for. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, sitting in the nosebleeds, like, I've seen some things in the back of that metronome oh, yeah. that uh, yeah. <laughs> got some stories, man. And there's probably been some stories in the back of us bank stadium too, but I mean, For sure. it, it just, it, it was a lovable place. You went in there, it would get so loud on Sundays, you know, nobody knew what to expect because it was kind of a novelty when they first built it. Then you saw more domes pop up. They got replaced mm-hmm. by kind of your newer stadiums. And uh, I don't know. It's it, it just, Fond memories of that place. I love U.S. Bank Stadium. Don't get me wrong. I, I think it's a oh, million God. times better than the Dome because I can sneak into areas and watch the game with a nosebleed <laughs> ticket, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that was something. And, and, I mean, kind of talking about Percy Harvin, you mentioned him as a case of wasted potential when we were talking last mm-hmm. week. I think that rookie season, however, was everything that you could have asked for, for yeah. from Percy Harvin because yeah. he was a rookie. Brett Favre was there. Uh, he winds up playing with, you know, the worm burner Donovan McNabb and the uh, <laughs> grave digger Kristen Bonder mm-hmm. uh, after that. Mm-hmm. It, it it just kind of, you know, when we talk about why Harvin's career kind of went south, part of it was scheme, but part of it was the quarterback play. And I think in 2009, that's where we saw peak Percy Harvin with yeah. all due respect to his 2012 campaign where, you know, he probably could have contended for an MVP had he not yeah. you know gotten banged up.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, I think this this return was one of my, one of my favorite plays. I think it was one of the plays where you first started to realize like, oh, Percy Harvin, like he's like, he's really good. Um, and then I think one of my favorite plays that Percy Harvin had was in Lambeau when he caught it like in between, I think, two or three Packers and they all just hit each other and he just ran uh, for the touchdown, which was awesome. Uh yeah, he's one of he's definitely one of my favorite players. Uh favorite Vikings players I've ever watched, you know, like Stefan Diggs is up there, like just guys that they just make plays uh regardless of where they get the ball on the field, they are they have so much confidence and it's just fun to watch them out on the field like just making plays and and letting everyone know how good they are because they are good. Uh and Percy Harvin would get the ball and just ram into people. Uh, he didn't care if you were 300 pounds or 180. He's coming at you. He's not going out of bounds. He's going to get more yards. That's probably why his career didn't last as long, but still, um, it was he was fun to watch, and, uh, yeah, he was just as much as Sidney Rice was. He was a big part of that, that Vikings uh, 2009 success as well because, you know, And he's another player that the Vikings took a chance on. We've talked about guys that the Vikings have taken a chance on before. You know, Randy Moss uh, and some other guys. But Percy Harvin is definitely part of that group. And and that worked out for a little bit. Um, And he he threw a weight at Leslie Frazier, which is one of the most outrageous stories I've ever heard of in my life. Because Leslie Leslie Frazier, I feel like he wouldn't hurt a fly. Um, So it's just hilarious that somebody threw a weight at him. um, But just didn't go well. That and he and Percy Harvin was also the first. Uh, we have no intent of uh, of trading him guy before everyone else that Rick Spielman talked about. Um, and then uh, they traded him and they got they got a good haul, deservedly so. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that trade was, I believe, Xavier Rhodes, a first Uh round pick, and then Uh they got a third round pick. I can't remember who else was in that deal, but
0: they got they got they got some good stuff for sure.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, Sharif Floyd, I mean, that first round was, Sharif Floyd stays healthy and they know how to use Cordero Patterson. That's a franchise foundation right there
0: Yeah.
1: uh, as far as a trade goes. Uh, So the Vikings hold on to the lead in this game. It's, what, 2017 at this point? Yep. We get down midway through the fourth quarter and Vernon Davis catches his second touchdown of the game. And then we get to the final drive eventually. The Vikings offense is kind of stalling. You're not really feeling good. And uh, Greg Lewis had just played just three snaps until this pass. Yeah. So we'll have fun here. I'll let you go first with your story because I have two stories. One of me, one of my parents' friend. So I will let you tell your encounter with the uh, Brett Favre to Greg Lewis pass before we go any further.
0: Yeah, so it's two thousand and nine. Um, I live in i I'm living in Phoenix, Arizona at the time, just trying to figure out I just graduated college, trying to figure out my life, what I'm doing. I was working like some grocery merchandising job or whatever, going around the stores like putting soda on shelves. Um and I it's that time that time in our lifetime or whatever where you know there's no red zone, but so ESPN radio is kinda like the red zone before the red zone where they would go live to different games depending on how, you know, good something was going on. And this time, you know, I kept checking the score, checking the score. So I get back, you know, in my car or whatever, and it's they're playing the clip of like the last play. And I hear like, you know, I'm like, oh, come on, come on, come on. And Favre, you know, throws to, to Lewis and they score touchdown. I'm like in my car, like celebrating and then um, you know, later on I would go home and, and watch the the replay or whatever. But yeah, that was that was how I saw it uh, back in the day when I used to, used to have to work on Sundays and not watch football or, you know, not supposed to watch football um, and get paid for it. But now I get paid to watch football on Sundays. But yeah, I, I I first heard it on the radio. I'm not sure if it was the TV call or the Paul Allen call, but um, I hope it was a Paul Allen, uh, Paul Allen call because that was the, the best of the two for sure.
1: Well. I was working at Hudson Menards, right across the border, over in Wisconsin, and I was out in the garden center, probably overwatering some plants or (laughs) giving somebody too much malts or giving them the wrong materials for their deck, one of the three. Uh, It was a decade of destruction at that place, (laughs) but uh, I was in the garden center. I was stocking something, I believe, and I'm just like, I'm going to take a look at the phone and see what I got going on here. So, look at the score, and I'm just like,
0: ah. Oh, how'd, how'd you have it? Did you have the ESPN like text alerts, or did you have like the ESPN? Yeah, I had app? the text alert. Okay, yeah. That's, so, there so the, were the app, app too. Back then. They had it. Well, I think but they I had think... like a Verizon app that took like five minutes to load. Uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like today where you just open up the ESPN no, 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 app and no, no, it's no, right no, no. there. No, no it's no, no, it's no, no, no. you know you load it on the internet or you get you know text alerts like and it costs it like would be, th- it would be yeah like ten ahead.
0: bucks a minute to to use it or whatever too
1: it was so funny because i remember like when they first came out with text alerts like i had like a limited text plan so like at the end of the month like (laughs) i would have every team like set up so i could like keep track throughout the league Mm -hmm. and see who was scoring for my fancy team Mm -hmm. and like i would get my cell phone bill and it was like 500 (laughs) dollars. like oh i'm a dumbass this is this is awesome but uh I, I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, man, it's, it's 24-20. Like, we're probably going to lose and mm-hmm. whatever. And all of a sudden, it dawns on me. Dude, we got Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Tavares Jackson isn't leading this comeback. We got mm-hmm. Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, there's like two minutes left in this game. I'm going to go out. I haven't used my 10-minute break. I'm going to go out. I'm going to listen to the game for 10 minutes and whatever. The last two minutes of that game took forever, yeah. first yeah. of all. And I'm listening to Paul out. So we're already like 30 minutes into this thing as I'm like sitting in my car listening to it. Because I mean, I am not going back into work. We're kind of dead because it's a fall. And also, I don't care. I'm a college student working (laughs) at a part-time job. So anyway, this call, Favre throws the touchdown. And I remember hearing caught. And I like punched my steering wheel. (laughs) And I punched it so hard that a car alarm went off.
0: Oh, no. And,
1: And like... I didn't know my car had a car alarm. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in the parking lot trying to figure out how to turn this thing <laughs> off. I finally figured it out. This whole entire break took 55 minutes. <laughs> it was only supposed to be 10 minutes. And I mean, I didn't get paid. I mean, you get paid for the first 10 and then they didn't really care what you did. Like after that, you just weren't getting mm-hmm. paid for it. Mm-hmm. So that was my story. But an even better story was my parents' friend who was at the game. And during the summer, he was playing soccer, and he tore his Achilles. Mm. So he was on crutches at the game Mm -hmm. because he was recovering from surgery. He had a walking boot on. He was sitting in the upper deck of the dome, and he's watching the game, and he's like, okay, I got a torn Achilles. This game's probably over because he's a Trent Vikings fan, right? So he's like, I'm going to hobble down the stairs, I'm going to get into the concourse, and I'm just going to beat everybody out just because Mm. he doesn't want to get trampled or whatever. (laughs) So he hobbles down the stairs as they're driving, you know, he gets in the thing. And this isn't like US Bank Stadium where it's like wide open
0: concourse. TV and and stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, you go into the concourse and it's like you're in a tunnel. Mm -hmm. So like he he finally hobbles his way into the tunnel. And as he's like walking towards the door, he hears the crowd going nuts. (laughs) So he He's like hobbling back. He gets into the entrance and he sees the score, and he's like, "What happened?" And this guy's is like, "Oh yeah, Brett Favre, you know." And, and like <laughs> he's explaining this to me, and he just goes, "I have never left a game early, and you know what? Mm-hmm. I will never leave a game early again." Mm-mm. And you know That's what game didn't he didn't leave early? The Minneapolis freaking miracle. Yeah, Seems. because he knew he you don't do that. Knew. So there yeah. you go. Life no. lesson learned on this play
0: you don't don't ever leave early um i think since the last few years I've whenever i've gone to game i've actually stuck i've stayed as long where like the ushers are like okay you guys gotta leave because you've been here like for too long So we're just hanging out and chilling because i know there's traffic and stuff and i'm not about to get out there but i also yeah. don't want to be like first out there and miss something that happens because i've been in that situation before and it's like, we're going to beat traffic. And it's like, you never do. There's always traffic because everyone <laughs> is leaving at the same time. You never beat traffic. So just stay behind. Enjoy the atmosphere or whatever. Always do that. But yeah, um, the Paul Allen call was, um, I think, I don't know if you're going to ask, but like, like was this game the greatest moment for, for anybody in their careers? And I would argue that this might be Paul Allen's because... In a positive way, he's famous for other calls that are more negative, like the Mm -hmm. the NFC Championship and and other stuff, and the Blair Walsh call. Arizona, yes, but in a positive way, I think this is probably his. This is better than the Minneapolis Miracle call for sure. Mm -hmm. Two receivers left and right. Barve out of the shotgun. Chester to his right. Third down, 12 seconds to go in the game, Niners lead by four. far back to pass, pumps to the left, eight seconds left. He gets away from the pressure, fires to the end zone! It's caught. It's Greg Lewis! Touchdown! It felt so natural and everything. And he's just like, oh, my heavens, uh, Greg Lewis, like, welcome to Minnesota and all that stuff. And it's just like, I think Sam Rosen on the TV broadcast, just like, Greg Lewis, touchdown. I'm like, that's it? That's all you got? You get paid to be on TV to do that? Everybody out. Farb
1: rolls. That's the throw deep and does to the end zone for Greg Lewis. Sam um, yeah, Rosen Paulette. was like 80 though at that time. Like he, <laughs> he, still he needed he like still a is. complete change of blood at halftime. Just like, still,
0: is he alive? I don't know. He's um, doing Rangers games still. He's he's the voice of the New York Rangers. How how old is he now? He was 80 back then. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. But, but yeah, the Paul poly- I'm gonna call, look it up now. I'm doing that right now too. Um, Paul, poly- he's he's only 74. What? Oh, okay. Well, he looks Mm -hmm. like he's 80. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) He's paired with. uh, Okay. Um, Yeah. So the Paul Allen call was definitely the best. And I think you could definitely argue that that was his best uh, positive call of of his career. I'm sure he has many others that he would argue are better. But to me personally, uh, I like that one. And I think that was, you know. No offense. I'm not I'm not the biggest Paul Allen fan in the world, but I feel like this was at a time too where he was a little bit more tolerable uh for the majority of the Vikings fan base. Uh, so yeah, that was that was a really good call. And uh I'll be putting that in the uh post uh the audio version of this podcast for sure. You know, the throw to
1: by far. Oh, like that I'm was the, the moment I'm that was money. the moment where like, it felt like something special was going to happen with this team. Because, like, the first two games, like I mentioned, we were kind of like, I don't know. Like, we'll just we'll just, yeah. right, go as far as Adrian will take We thought it was going to be, like, 2012, where Adrian runs for yeah. 2,000 yards. He yeah. single-handedly wills them to the playoffs. But once he hit that throw, I think that was the moment, like, hey, I can do this. And B, like, it was kind of like, okay, I'm the captain now. Like we are going to do what I want for the offense. And like, he never consulted with Chile, who, you know, you can say what you want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean,
0: <laughs> but I mean, they, the Vikings were not successful in, in 2009 because of Brad Childress. Okay. He can set his ego aside. They were not successful because of him. He had the playbook. Great. But Brett Favre called the place.
1: He owes Brett Favre a nice fruit basket, but something tells me he doesn't send it his way. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he, i mean, he—he he evades the rush, he ducks under a defender, and then like you could just tell it's the all you know F it, Greg Lewis mm-hmm. down there somewhere. Well, I don't even know if he—I didn't even know if he was like looking for Greg Lewis. Right, right. He's just like, <laughs> I see a purple dot down there. Yeah. I'm just gonna throw it in his way and yeah. see what happens. They could get picked off, but at that point in the game, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. And I think, you know. We have to have our obligatory Kirk
0: Cousins discussion. He would not make that throw. No way. No way. I, <laughs> no way. I
1: had a – he didn't. He was in the same situation last year. And, you yeah. know, I got roasted on Twitter for it a little bit because I said, you know, it was a Cleveland game. Same amount of time, same yard line, same down and distance, I believe. Yeah. And Kirk chose to throw two check down passes, and then he threw one like five yards short of the end zone. Mm-hmm. Whereas Brett, yeah, he checked down the play before. Because he knew, okay, let's get closer. And it was hilarious because he threw a little out route to Bernard Berrian, And it didn't look yeah. like he was going to make the sideline. I don't know if the Metronome crowd was screaming no because it got thrown to Bernard Berrian, Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because they were they thought that he wasn't going to make it probably. to get it out of bounds. But probably. Uh, probably a combination of both. But yeah. um, the throw. And, and I think that was the catalyst for things. That's when people bought in. And, yeah. you know, the Vikings started 6-1. and one. I mean, yeah. we all know how this goes. They... Go, oh, they finished 12 and 4. They're second seed in the conference. They obliterate the Cowboys in one of the most fun Vikings playoff games that I can remember. That was the uh Pat Williams. We roll the windows down with the cranks comment uh <laughs> before the game. And then you know the Saints game, which yeah, that that that's that might be another rewatchables, but um for sure. For sure. Lots of nuggets in here. Oh, go ahead. I'm
0: sorry. You have something no, to I was just gonna say, as far as like the cousins thing, people might come back and be like, "Well, he threw like he's thrown hail marys before," and and yeah, yes, that's a t- totally different situation where the entire defense is in the end zone and not like rushing at you. Uh, and this this time, Favre, who was getting killed the whole game, like he had to have his shoulder pad put back in his shirt probably five or six times, some by the referees. One I think after, it's the
1: last play, but <laughs> after he threw a block. <laughs>
0: And Patrick yeah. Willis, uh, which was insane. He's like 40 years old and he's running down the field throwing diving at guys' legs, throwing blocks, and the I think the color commentator is like, children's gonna have a talk with him. I'm like, oh yeah, good luck with that. Tell him Brett. You think Harvard, Brett you know. cares? No. Um, but it was just funny. Hey, to, uh, I'm like, know, there he right, is, he's buddy. going down the field. Um but yeah, cousins doesn't doesn't make that throw. A lot not a lot of guys make that throw. Like we we compare a lot of people that like the the legends or whatever brady and, and Favre and stuff but there's a reason reason why they're legends because they make plays that other people don't make and this this throw like as much as it looked like Favre chucking it to whoever it was on the money in a place where only greg lewis could get it uh and only greg lewis and he got it to- he did the toe drag swag and uh he got that do you think this was Greg Lewis's greatest moment in his career because he did catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl, but I feel like this was. But they lost Super Bowl when he was with the Eagles. But I feel like this was more fulfilling. What do you think?
1: I mean, catching a touchdown in the Super Bowl is pretty cool. Oh, but I lot. mean, this is this. I mean, I I don't remember that he caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Right. So I mean, <laughs> I I remember that he caught a pass from Brett Favre. Like it, it's one of the coolest throws I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, I don't
0: th- I don't think we know who Greg Lewis is if not for this catch.
1: 162 snaps on the season for Greg Lewis. Yeah, but he have eight catches? So he didn't get out there much.
0: Huh? Whole year. I think he had eight catches the whole year. This was his only yeah. his only touchdown as a Viking. This was the only one. Gone and, and pretty good touchdown to have. You're going to have one If you're going to have one touchdown, this is a pretty good one to have. So let's,
1: let's bring out some random research and facts. I got four of them. That was one of them that Craig Lewis only played 162 snaps on the season. Uh, this was the first 300-yard passing game by a Vikings player in 64 games. Um, there were three Maryland players in this game. Yep. Can you name them?
0: Uh, Vernon Davis, Sean That's Hill. That's one. Uh, I don't think I know the third one. Are they on the same team? They are not. Oh,
1: AJ Henderson. There you go. There Vernon go. Davis, Sean Hill, EJ Henderson. Maryland powerhouse. I, I was, I was, yeah, I was surprised you got the uh, third one. Well, you got the first two on the Niners, which I think Vernon Davis is really easy. Yeah. Uh, Sean Hill. I, I think people know like, you know, any football fans going to have like a night where their buddies, where they have like a bottle in the middle. I'll be like, all for right, sure. we're going to name backup quarterbacks. <laughs> and like, when you can't think of one, you're going to drink out of that, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. two hours later, you're all just yeah. hammered. Um, here's the last stat. Brett Favre was one of two Viking quarterbacks to throw for at least 4,000 yards, 33 touchdowns and seven or less interceptions in a season. Can you name the other QB and what season he did it?
0: Uh, I think it's Kirk Cousins. Uh, and was it 2020?
1: Kirk Cousins last year.
0: Oh, last year. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Kirk
1: Kirk had 4,000 or, uh, it was like four thousand two hundred twenty-one. I don't have the exact yardage in front of me, but 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So what are we complaining about? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I stats,
0: right? Well, yeah, it's the same same kind of football that was played because, you know, you could clearly tell in this game that uh things were a lot more physical. Uh I'm pretty sure I saw Adrian Peterson get tackled by the head and slammed to the ground and no flags mm-hmm. were called. Uh there was plenty of uh guys just like Ramming Brett Favre to the ground. Uh, I think there was a taunting call in this game. Did you Did you see that? There was. It was, was a terrible call, but yeah. it was still a taunting call. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought these didn't happen back then, but it happened. It was a terrible call. Um, yeah, there was this. This was a lot more physical than like. And this wasn't that long ago. This is what ten. This was twelve years ago. It wasn't yeah. that long ago. Like, but like football. I, you can tell like it's it's as safe as football is in general like it's way more safer now than than it was back then
1: i remember when ej henderson dislocated all of his toes trying to get on jacked up like if, <laughs> if you want to see something fun go back like on youtube and look up jacked up because that is like amazing like, yeah People, people, like, don't know where the hell they are, like, in costume. They're just like, look at this guy right here. He doesn't even know his name, like, laughing about it. Just, like, yeah. that was yeah. football back then.
0: And I think uh, I noticed when, when guys would get, like, their bell rung in the sideline, they would just go to the sideline. Um, and Eric Sugarman would just, like, talk to him for a few minutes. Then they'd be good. Go back in the game. You're good. Give him some smelling salts. Like, Sh- Sugarman was, like, he-, he was hanging around everybody in this game. He was around Favre, like, just hanging with him and stuff. I'm like... Now that we, the stuff that we know about him now, I'm like, oh, geez. Um, I got some random facts for you, too. Uh, This also won the SB for best play, just like the Minneapolis Miracle mm-hmm. um, that year. You mentioned Alex Smith. He lost. He was on the bench because he lost the battle to, to Sean Hill. You know, that was a intense battle, obviously. Mm-hmm. Vikings were favored by seven in this game. Uh, Michael Crabtree was on the Niners, but he and he was a rookie, but he wasn't signed to his contract yet before this game. He signed it in October because he was having a dispute or whatever. So that could have been a, a difference maker for sure if he was on the field. And then uh, Alex Boone was on the 49ers practice squad in this game. Did you
1: know that uh, Toby Gerhardt had a contract holdout before he came into the NFL?
0: <sighs> With the Vikings? Yeah. Toby Gerhardt?
1: Toby Gerhardt. Yeah. He was two days late for training camp.
0: <laughs> what? What was that? Bef- was this before the rookies? Like, I because wasn't wasn't Sam Bradford like the last rookie wage yep. scale quarterback? And that was what? Was that two thousand ten?
1: Ah, I think a little bit later. Was it twelve? It was two thousand ten.
0: Maybe twelve. Um, yeah, but um. Yeah, he was the last one. So, yeah, a lot of these guys. Stafford to... was the first
1: one with the scale,
0: I believe. Yeah, because you,
1: you. Or was that? You, no, Bradford. I don't
0: know. The year after Bradford was. Um, okay. Because. Cam. Yeah, because Cam, yeah, was, Cam yeah. was 2012. Because he was the Ponder draft. It was, Cam was 2011 and Bradford was 2010. Yeah, so 2010 was the last year that you could like. You're a rookie and you could actually still negotiate your contract, which is insane uh, because you're a rookie <laughs> and you've never played in the NFL. And you're trying to be like, well, you know, I'm worth this much money. And it's like, no, you're worth whatever we give you. Um, but that's hilarious. Toby Gerhardt, some nerve he's got. Like, and a lot of these players, like we blame them for holding out or whatever. A lot of the time, it's their agent, their agent who's like, Yeah, no, 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 no. You deserve more. You deserve more. And like, they're like, But I just want to play. And they're like, No, 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 no. You 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 need more money. And it's like, but I want to play. <laughs> I mean, look so. at Aaron
1: Rodgers' agent from the state. Farm commercials, well, yeah. he was—I mean, look, he was a problem. He was—he—he he was taking a dump and like lighting the house on fire <laughs> with a candle. Look, like, at I would have fired my agent on the spot. Why are you I mean, taking a dump in my house first? I mean,
0: real life. Look at um, the Dalvin Cook situation when when his agent threatened that he was going to hold out in the training camp, where you would now get fined if you hold out, like fifty thousand a day. And Dalvin's like, nah, I think I'm going to show up." <laughs> I even, I sure. i'll be good i'll yeah. be good so,
1: it's, it's not yeah. gonna do anything to do too much but all right well that's it that's our second rewatchable episode that's all the time we got for today again we do this every monday thursday six fifteen p.m central time like comment share ring the bell do all those cool youtube things so you never miss a new episode and if you do we're on apple podcast and spotify the following days so for adam patrick i am chris shad we'll see you on thursday